0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the financial outlook for personal investors, and I'm delighted to say that Russ Mold, investment director of AJ Bell, is going to help me look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. And I think Russ, you want to start by looking at the bid for. Morrison's and perhaps the wider ramifications of that. Yeah, so, well, I, I, what's the position now?
0: Well, I guess it's kind of reaching a well, w- w- in theory, we'll, we'll know a little bit more by, by the by end of the week by five o'clock on Friday, because that's the takeover panel's deadline for any counter bid from CDR. So, initially, private equity firm CDR bid 230 pence a share. Shell has just said no, rejected it flat out, mm-hmm. led by Silchester Investments, and it's just not high enough. Fortress, a private equity firm. With backing from um, with the Canadian Pension Plan and Koch Real Estate Investors, they came in with 252p, and then to try and deliver a knockout blow, 270p a share. Um, and the, the Morrison shares are trading at 280s. You and I speak right now, so that the market does seem to be bracing itself for a counter bid, either from CDNR or conceivably a third party—a name that's regularly dangled around—is Morrison's, mm. partly because. You know, there's a supply chain agreement there between the two, partly because it bought Whole Foods a few years ago, partly because it just made a big acquisition in movies, and partly because it's just got more money than Croesus, at least on paper. Mm-hmm. But whether it, whether that's credible or not, we'll, we'll find out. But there is an expectation that CD&I are gonna, CD&R are going to come in, and then it will be up to the shareholders to decide whether they think the offer is sufficient or not. The government doesn't seem inclined to intervene. It has inter- intervened in Cobham Ultra national security issues. Given that Morrison's is vertically integrated, farm to fork, it's a big food supplier, you could argue there is grounds for the government to have a look at it, but it doesn't seem inclined to do so.
1: And I'm just intrigued. What is the attraction of Morrison's? I mean, in the past, <laughs> we've talked about there being too many supermarket chains in the UK uh, expecting some to disappear. I mean, the takeover uh, by Walmart of Astor wasn't exactly a, a great success, was
0: it? Well, Walmart have got shot of it. They've actually yeah. passed it on to the Issa brothers. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is down, some of it may be down to the competition and markets authorities' decision to block the Sainsbury's Asda merger. So there's no chance really of, of any consolidation within the UK market l- looking at that. Um, I think it's partly because, and if you're a private equity company, you are looking at a company that's, supply, that's got the fourth biggest market share of something that we need to do every day the keep the house clean and so on. So that is fundamentally interesting business because it's it, it's always going to be there you can argue. Um and the other thing that I think is interesting well when this big battle began CDNR offered 4.2 billion pounds for a company that had 7 7.4 billion pounds of property assets on its books at book value. Now I know you have to knock off um the debt and the leases but Morrisons owns about 85% of its of its stores so you had a company trading at one time is book. You had asset backing, you had a fairly consistent business, and you had a situation where buy from an overseas buyers perspective. You know, the UK stock market's been a dog since Brexit on a global yeah. stage, it's massively underperformed. The pounds down since the Brexit vote of 2016. So you're getting a bit of a so you're getting a, a potentially, not putting too fine a point on it, assets on the cheap. And, and that the nearly the point of any investment, whether you're buying one share or what you're looking to buy. The whole company, and, and, and I think that was what originally sparked off the back of between CD&R and, and Fortress. Now, both parties have been very careful to publicly say this is not an asset strip operation. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sell and lease back their assets, um, which I think is, is the first thing that you would expect. Well, I mean, Fortress itself describes, describes itself as a specialist in undervalued assets with real estate in area of specialty. You've got Koch real estate investors in there. Uh, and you have heard people like MS and s and Waitrose talk about building houses on their car parks. You've got Sainsbury's building houses or flats on top of its superstore at Nine Elms mm-hmm. in Battersea. Mm-hmm. So th- that, that, that may be the property angle, but they have been quick to deny that. I guess the cynic would say never believe anything till it's been officially denied. And people yeah. will hark back to um, Irene Rosenfeld of Kraft and all the promises that her company made. it bought Cadbury in 2009, most of which were ignored or broken. So I, I think people will, if the deal goes through, but whoever buys it, People will be looking very closely at what happens in terms of cost efficiencies or real estate or, or asset sales, because you know they, they will be looking to hold the buyers to account. How much power they have once the deal done through, of course, is, is another issue entirely. Let's
1: just pause the breath.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: This is Simon Rose in conversation with Russ Mould in the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Um, Russ, are there wider ramifications? When you, you've talked many times before about how the FTSE has not performed particularly well. We know the pound is not particularly strong. That means that the UK market and companies quoted upon it are incredibly cheap for foreign investors. We haven't had many bids in the FTSE, but we've had, seen quite a no. few in the
0: 250. Yeah, we've had about 60-odd. Uh, we've only had one in the hundred, which was RSA. Which was from a Trig of Sweden and one or two others, and so that's the only one in the 400. But yeah, we've had lots 42, 50, 60, and the average premium offer has been 36. percent So even allowing for that, then this is trade buyers and financial buyers. But even allowing for that, they clearly think they're getting some some value there. Um, you know, they've obviously had a chance to step in after the pandemic when the market took a terrible beating. Or the stock market took a terrible beating last year. Not that that was everybody's primary concern at the time but it may have certainly presented, a, again, a further opportunity to step in. I guess money is still cheap, private equity in particular still so got lots of cash. The companies, many companies have lots of liquidity. And if you do believe, for whatever reason, that interest rates may be going up, then you could argue perhaps that now is the time, if you are going to strike a debt-fuel deal, now is probably as good a time as any and lock in locking some low interest rates. There are lots of different arguments there. I mean, the FTSE 100 is about 8 to 10% below its all-time high. The 4250 and small cap, a pretty an, old, an share, are pretty much there. But yeah, the, the UK doesn't look particularly expensive relative to its history. It offers a decent yield overall. For example, I, I guess the 100 is a bit of a strange index, and then it features the unpredictable mining and oils, uh, the indigestible banks, and um, uh, the stodgy, you know, tobacco, food, retail, consumer staples. So it, 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 and it doesn't have any of the sort of Sexy growth stuff that's really attracted investors' attention over the last four to five, six years. So it's, that's possibly partly why the UK is cheap as its mix. Mm-hmm. That does mean it's probably quite an interesting market if you do get an inflationary recovery for all that BHP, uh, with its withdrawal from the FTSE 100 putative is, is going to lessen the mining exposure a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think there, there is still plenty of value out there, particularly if you dig further down. And private equity and financial buyers have been have been behaving accordingly, particularly, again, if you're an overseas player, because you're getting the, the kicker from Sterling yes. still.
1: And presumably UK investors who've been perhaps disappointed in the performance of domestic shares, of course, may be more inclined to accept a bid and get a, you know, a nice kicker as yeah, a result. I,
0: I think that's right. I mean, you, you have seen some pushback. I mean, it's interesting that private equity had to raise, had to raise their bids for UDG Healthcare and St. Modwin Properties to get those deals over the line. You've had two increases in the Morrison's offer with a possibly a third. So, again, I think shareholders are being um, conscious of their responsibilities to, to, to their customers to, to get the best price possible. And argue, you can argue to stakeholders as well. So, But I think, yeah, I think that, that there is, it's understandable if you've had firms that have shares like Morrison's, the firm that shares hadn't gone anywhere for three or four years. There will be a temptation to at least give these deals a second hearing. Because performance, generally share price wise, has been pretty modest.
1: Um, Something we talked about before, and that's the 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 decline in the number of companies that are listed in the stock market. Now, BHP, as you pointed out there, wants to cancel its London listing. Every time that a company gets taken over, that's one more company that's gone. Um, Why do you think stock market? It's not just here, is it? It's the United States. Why is it becoming less popular for businesses actually to be quoted on a stock market? A
0: couple of factors, possibly. one, I think in terms of market newcomers and IPOs, we have seen a pickup in the last 12 to 18 months, particularly in America with these SPAC things. And I noticed that there was a, a SPAC looking to buy a company backed by Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Downey Jr. this week. So it's, it's, I'm saying no more than that, but it's a, it's a fintech company. It's the sort of thing that you yeah. tend to see at certain stages of the economic, of the financial cycle, should we say. Um, so you have seen more IPOs in the US than you have certainly seen in the, in the UK or Europe. I think partly they're coming later because there's just so much venture capital and private equity capital out there. There is less pressure on them to come um, from an investment perspective. That's potentially bad from a, from a private individual's perspective, because it means when they do come there later in their cycle and there's probably less value on the table, but yes. potentially less risk one can argue. Um, so I think it's the fact that there is just so much money out there for, in terms of funding. They, they haven't necessarily needed the public markets to the same degree. Um, and I think also from a, from a public company's perspective, there's no doubt that the regulatory burdens and and reporting burdens are, are, are high and becoming higher. You know, companies are expected to report every three or six months. They're now expected to do their bit to save the planet. They're expected to do their bit to save society. They're expected to make sure that they meet all diversity requirements. So while all of these things are extremely worthy, some business models are undeniably better suited to taking on all these extra costs and responsibility than others. You know, if you're a, a business making a 20 or 30 percent operating margin on a consistent basis and there aren't millions of those you're a heck of a lot better positioned to meet those burdens than if say you're a restaurateur or a pubs group where you're probably doing eight percent at best mm. when your pubs are full which they certainly are now yes so mm. I, I think in that respect there are some types of businesses now that are probably better able to withstand the rigors of public markets th- than others and some people may be looking and think all oh, this grief i'm going to get because i've not got this person yes. on the board or i'm not they might just think actually I'll look for an alternative source of funding and, and, and keep my head down. Thank you very much. So I think while a lot of the all of the things that companies are being required to do in terms of wider society are laudable, they might put people off doing it in the full public glare, if the truth be told, because they've got lots of other things to think about anyway, like running the business, investing in it, and keeping the competition a bit and their customers happy.
1: Um, of course, for private investors, venture capital and private equity not feels they can right. easily get into. So is that a depressing... Future then, but, for private equity. It's, it's in general. interesting. There
0: are some private equity funds that are quoted, um, yeah. so you can buy in through those. And there's one or two actually come out this year. Again, to be slightly cynical about it, you do wonder why private if private equity is so private, why is deciding now is a good time to go public after a 12 year bull market in equities? Mm. Yes. You know, Blackstone, Blackstone, and indeed Fortress went public in 2006 seven, just before the smash. It so you, again, you're, you're tempted to be slightly cynical there. Particularly, again, after a decade where private equity has performed incredibly well, you're slightly worried that you're buying in when the story is well known uh, and there's a rush of money towards it, so potentially returns will diminish. Um, So it's not ideal from a private investor's perspective. You can do it. You can get involved in enterprise investment schemes and and, and funds like that. But again, the fees can be quite high. So again, you you may get returns, but you need to be pretty careful of what's going out out the back door at the same time.
1: Russ, thank you very much indeed. I've been in conversation with Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, looking at the world of investment from a UK perspective in the financial outlook for personal investors.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.